Welcome to the She Recovers podcast. I'm Taryn Strong, co-founder with my mother Dawn Nickel of She Recovers. She Recovers believes that we are all recovering from something. And here on She Recovers podcast, we examine the healing power of connection and intentional living, as well as what happens in our lives when we put down our past stories and pick up our soul's true purpose. In this episode of the She Recovers podcast, Erin talks with author and columnist Alyssa Altman about her latest book, Motherland, a memoir of love, loathing, and longing. In this new work, Alyssa shares with brutal honesty the emotional cost of caring for an aging mother who has always needed to be cared for, no matter what her age. Her story shows the importance and difficulty of practicing radical self-care in the midst of family codependency and dysfunction. So, hey, Alyssa, thanks so much for joining me this morning. I'm really grateful to have you. Thank you so much, Erin. It's really wonderful to be here. So, um, as you as you may know, uh, we have a question that we start off our podcast with almost every time, and that is to ask our guest, what brought you into the recovery space? Were you struggling with a behavior, a relationship, a past event? All of these or something else? All of the above. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's an it's an interesting. It's a that's a really really interesting question. And, and you know, I um, I often talk about Motherland um, and also my other books um, as uh, you know. I talk about peeling the onion. You know, there we we writers memoirs often you know we we peel back layer uh, after layer after layer and motherland is at the core um, of the story uh, there is a severely codependent relationship that is at the core of the story and I posit early on the question you know is it possible for people to be addicted to each other and I think that yes absolutely you know I, I think from a chemical standpoint anything that that kind of kicks off that dopamine, is going to, um, you know, is going to qualify in my, in my opinion. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, as a, uh, as someone who, um, who came of age, as a writer who came of age um, in the food space, um, you know, where there is food, there is wine and food writers um, often get paid to drink. I mean, to put it frankly, you know, to put it really clearly, we get paid to drink. And, and personally, you know, I went, I went to cooking school for a little while. I worked at Dean and DeLuca in the 1980s, the late 1980s in Soho in New York, the original store. There was always wine and alcohol coming in and, and, and out of the store. And I actually, you know, I would get paid to know the difference between a 1987 Bordeaux and a 1991 Pinot Noir. And that was my, you know, that was my business and the more the better. And, you know, and, and I think that um, a lot of women who work in the food space uh, could, would, you know, conceivably could chime in. Um, And, and this is something I think that's very, very, you know, very common. I I know certainly that uh, there are male chefs, a lot of male chefs are talking about it right now. Um, I was never a chef. Um, I never wanted to actually be a chef, but I was surrounded by, you know, alcohol and, you know, drugs for years. And what I wanted to do 
was I wanted, you know, to take the edge off and I wanted to numb and I, I never went down the drugs route, but I loved my wine. I loved it, loved it. And, um, you know, and, and that has been my, you know, that has been my, my, um, you know, my, my jumping off point for this conversation. Um, I think that what you talk, you talk in your work about, um, not a tribal fire, right? You say that feeding oneself and others is an inherently meditative and spiritual practice and that humans are naturally drawn to the modern tribal fire where the quality of the food is secondary to the sharing of table stories, the storytelling that goes around the place of nurturing. And so it kind of leads me to ask what happens at that modern tribal fire when the wine flows a little too freely and the wine is not necessarily there for a compliment to the meal, but to numb out what's going on around that table. Yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, re- I remember writing a few years ago, I wrote a, a, um, a post on my, my blog, Poor Man's Feast, about um, about um, a Bacchus, um, you know, God, he was the god of, god of wine, I believe. Um, and, um, and the fact that it, you know, it is a, it is a very, very slippery slope. And there are some of us who are, um, you know, it's like lighting a fuse and, and some of us, um, don't have that, um, you know, some of us have the, the, the off switch and some of us don't have the, the off switch. And, um, when you're sitting around a table with, uh, people, um, you know, you know, or maybe you don't know. Um, sometimes it's, you know, certainly easier if you don't know them. Um, and you're, you're, you know, you've had a great meal and you're imbibing and, and, um, you know, it, it, it smooths the edges. It makes things on the surface potentially, you know, more interesting, funnier. Um, and then things, at least for me, can go very dark. And, um, you know, and, and certainly, um, over the years, you know, I'm in my mid fifties now, so I've been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, my, my body began to, uh, say, you know, stop enough, um, enough is enough. And, uh, like many people, you know, your body, um, sends you, uh, messages that it's time to stop. And then when you make that decision, um, it becomes, uh, it, 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 it becomes um, a challenge. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your bravery in sharing the story here with us today. And I, what I see is this unfolding of um, a different definition of that modern tribal fire and what we can bring to that table when we're not, when we've decided that wine is not adding anything helpful to that table. Exactly. And, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I am, um, I mean, I will be, I will, you know, be completely clear and transparent about this. Um, you know, I am in the earliest stages, um, of, of this, uh, part of my life and, um, it has been a very, very long time coming and I've taken a lot of comfort, um, uh, 
in She Recovers, and and I have a wonderful support group um, around me, um, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much all the time. And it's that's in itself has been an astonishing thing, um, the level of care and commitment and service that you know um, people have to each other, who are going through this. Um, is is something that I've really never uh, experienced yes. before. Um, in in the most, you know, in the most heartful spiritual um, of ways, and um, you know, so that's that is a really remarkable thing. Um, I have toe dipped into um, you know writing about this, and I am continuing to talk about it and write about it. Um, but this is really, you know, what what um, better place than here to you know really have this conversation with you, um, you know, in a in this uh, safe environment that you've created for so many people, um, you know, like like me and like us, um, uh, and and I, you know, I'm very grateful for that. So you talk about, I love the, the words you just used that you're experiencing, care, commitment, and service in a heartful, spiritual way. And as I read your book, I thought, let's talk about your book for a little bit because um, that's where I would imagine, I mean, that is where your struggle that you're, that you're sharing now, so much of it is um, outlined and kind of laid out there for the reader. You might not be talking specifically about your struggle with wine, but you can see where um, your care, um, the care community and service that you provided your mother in her, um, in, as she was recovering from an injury and really throughout her life. I mean, she was demanding of you um, care, community, and service. And you, in the story, as I have read motherland as i come you know come away from that story you do bring a heartful spiritual practice to that care in the midst of honestly there are moments that you describe where i think i would just walk out i i mean and yet you don't you stay it's just beautiful Alyssa. it was such a crazy time and it was such a difficult time and i think that um anyone who was in the position of being an inadvertent caregiver for um, an older parent uh, with whom they've always had a very difficult, uh, troubled relationship. I mean, my mother is pretty much at the core of my trauma, of, of the trauma in my life. Um, I, I had a choice, you know. I could have uh, either fled, um, and, and in fact, I, I did flee, you know, 20 years ago. I moved to Connecticut. Um, which was, you know, two hours away from her. Um, and, and it was, you know, my having to take control of my life and live my own life and fall in love and create a family and, and, um, or, or, or not. And when she had her accident, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this gets into issues and this is something that I've been talking a lot about, um, issues of moral obligation, um, my mother has no one else. I have no siblings. She has no spouse. She has a very, very limited social community and a limited social life. And so, um, and she has limitations that I recognize objectively um, and that I had to recognize objectively for uh, me to be able to uh, care for her. Um, 
you know, in the book, early on in the book, um, I, I think it was early on in the book, there's a scene where I'm 16 years old and I'm, and I'm sitting um, at a greasy spoon with my dad, uh, with whom uh, I had a, um, an interesting relationship, a very good relationship, but he was my first drinking partner. And I will just put that out there. Um, he uh, said to me out of a complete silence, I was 16 years old, and he said, you know, someday your mother is going to become your job. She is going to become your job to care for her. And, you know, I was 16. I was thinking about going to college as far away from New York as I could possibly get. Um, and I sort of took that sentence that he spoke and stuck it in the recesses of my brain and never really thought about it again. And in fact, um, after my mother's second husband died in 1997, I became her, effectively, I became her spouse. Um, I became her caregiver even then. Um, and, and as you say, in retrospect, um, I had been her caregiver all along. That was the relationship that, that, we, that we had. Um, had I not approached her care uh, most recently, um, w after her catastrophic fall, from a point of of um, you know commitment to her, um, I don't know that I myself would have survived it. Um, it was a very, very, very difficult. Um, she's extraordinary, extraordinarily challenging person. We have an extraordinarily complicated relationship. Um, that continues to be complicated. Even now she's 84. Um, and, um, you know, that's where we, that's where we are. That's where we are. You know, if I could, if I could bring spirit, this a sense of, um, of service to my relationship with her, um, that's wonderful. Um, is, was it overt? Was it something that I really thought about and considered, um, no, because when, you know, her accident was in 2016 and um, I was not really at that point thinking about recovery. Um, it was after the accident, uh, after she got settled back in her apartment and everything got squared away with insurance and, and her caregiver who she sees twice a week and um, that, um, you know, my body began to fall apart. My, my body and my, um, literally my heart began to fall apart. Um, and, and that was, you know, it was a spiritual exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, physical exhaustion. Um, and, um, and, and that's, you know, that's why I think why we're having this conversation now, this is that that's where it brought me. So there really was, because this is something recovery and 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 taking alcohol out of your life is something you have thought about for a while but what i hear you saying is that it was the catalyst of this last episode with your mother and and dealing with her and trying to deal with her in a way that allows you to this moral obligation so you are embracing that and also wanting healthy boundaries with your relationship with your mom. And is that sort of, is that requiring you to look at your relationship with alcohol differently? It, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, I, 
I mean, everything, um, you know, I, I've certainly done a lot of um, writing, writing a book like this that took me three years um, of daily, uh, daily work um, and digging very, very deep. Um, and then at the end of the workday, uh, having to step into my relationship with her in real time, there was no break. There was no way for me to step off the treadmill at all. Um, and so, you know, I turned to the thing that I always turn to, um, you know, to unplug and that many of us turn to, to unplug. But, you know, I, I realized certainly, um, as the story was unfolding and she was clearly, you know, you have to write, a, memoir is best written from a, from a place of some distance. Um, and that's the only way that one is afforded some level of objectivity um, over the subject matter. Um, and the distance enabled me to see not only my relationship with her, but my relationship with wine, my relationship with excess, um, my relationship with, you know, the need to self-soothe and self-medicate because the, you know, the soothing, the soothing was something that should have come uh, certainly when I was a child from her, but didn't. And, you know, again, that is something that a lot of us, um, that a lot of us face. Uh, we fill it with whatever, you know, whatever we, uh, whatever we can fill it with. Um, you know, it was really um, my decision at a certain point in the, in the book um, that I, I realized that I, you know, I wanted to live and you know there's a scene in the book where um a medicaid caregiver a medicaid nurse uh examiner comes to the comes to her apartment and she's this very sort of tall um uh quiet tibetan woman um ironically named tenzin which of course is the first name of the dalai lama and um she witnessed um my mother and i having very difficult exchanges and i walked her to the door and she said to me you know your mother is a very beautiful woman and if you're not careful she is going to outlive you and when she said that to me i realized i think right then and there that I was going to have to make a choice about um, my own life and my future, um, or 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 not, um, and that was really, that's really the turning point. That's really the catalyst in the book, the moment where everything um, where everything turns. Yeah, when when I read that, I. Th- what immediately came to mind was Mary Oliver's poem, "The Journey," and the only life you can ever really save is your own. Right. That's, that's exact. That's exactly right. And, um, she is the kind of person who requires as much attention and energy from others as, um, as humanly possible. And so I've had to make the decision to understand what her actual needs are versus her wants, um, visa be my own needs and wants. And, um, and, and, you know, and again, the decision to, um, the decision to live and, and to care for her as best I, as I possibly can, as most caregivers for elderly parents do, 
but to also care for myself at the same time. And that is something that I had never done before that, that this, this is, you know, a whole, this is like learning a new language for me. Yeah. You really are calling audibles on this and just learning it and living it, uh, you know, on the fly. And I, um, I just am really struck by the beauty of it, of that effort because what hasn't happened despite honestly a lot of opportunities is you haven't walked away you haven't just said i'm completely this is so toxic this relationship is so destructive to to you Alyssa and to your marriage and and yet you you still stay what is behind that you know, part of me used to wonder, um, and I, and this is a question that I posit early on in the book, you know, how much of it is um, the codependency? How much of it is uh, addiction to each other? And the fact that we, you know, I, I sometimes describe my relationship with my mother like a tumbleweed. You know, we sort of roll down the street and we pick up a lot of junk and, and that we can't get rid of. And and it informs our shape and it informs our narrative and it informs our story and our discussion. And, um, and I think that at the end of the day, and this is something that really was a gift that came um, out of writing the book, um, I realized that um, I could no sooner turn my back on her than I could turn my back and in, in, uh, turn my back on a two-year-old running into oncoming traffic. My mother is um, extremely limited, and um, and that knowledge, having that knowledge, um, is was very it was very important for me to sort of hold it and to feel it and to understand that this is not a normal relationship. This is not the way, I mean, look, every mother and daughter and father and son have, you know, I, when I, I was on book tour, I would see scores of people in, in the audience shaking their head, you know, whether they were male or female or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and so this is, you know, everybody's got some level of complication, but this is a very, very different kind of situation. You know, what do you do when you um, are a lifelong caregiver for a troubled um, for a troubled parent and how do you, um, you know, how do you protect yourself and how do you choose to live? And if you do choose to live, does that mean that the other person then has to die? And, you know, those are all questions that, that come to the, you know, that come to, to the surface. Um, and, you know, again, I, I, I made the decision consciously or not to be her, uh, caregiver and to often put myself at risk uh, when my defenses are down and I'm feeling weak and things aren't good and I've had a crappy day. Um, it's still very, very difficult. Um, and, um, you know, but again, I could no sooner turn my back on her than I could turn my back on a two-year-old running into oncoming traffic. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I will say, um, and it's something that we talked about a little bit earlier, is that, um, you know, one of uh, the reasons why, um, you know, I've been, um, you know, quite uh, honestly, quite careful about talking about recovery and, and my own journey um, is because, you know, for one thing, it's extremely early for me, very, very early. I am in 
um, you know, what my what my friend, uh, the brilliant uh, Laura McCowan would call, you know, the first purgatorial year. Um, I have very good days and I have very bad days. And um, and it's been, you know, it's extremely challenging. Um, but I also think that it's important for those of us who are in the earliest stages to know that it's okay to talk about the process um, and to, to know that the process is something that must be gone through, um, you know, whatever the catalyst, uh, whatever the catalyst is. Um, the process is is uh, is difficult, and it's a, and it it is nothing less than a journey. And I'm I'm actually about to start rereading a translation of of Dante, and uh, you know, and and um, and I think about you know the 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 circle the circles of hell. You know, it's not it's not all a pink cloud. It really is not. Um, but. Um, but it was very, very important for me to um, to begin this journey um, in earnest and to talk about it. Um, so how how has your how is your wife a part of this journey for you right now? My wife, um, we you know, it's kind of she's all over my social media. So like anybody who follows me on social media sees her everywhere. We um, we call her um, or I call her um, Saint Susan, which is um, um, which is maybe fair or not. Um, you know, we've been together. We're about to celebrate our twentieth anniversary, um, and so she has witnessed um, me going through you know, very, very deep valleys and, you know, climbing very high peaks and, um, and, and in every possible phase and in good places and in bad places. And the only thing that she has um, said that she will do with regard to this journey is um, support me in whatever way I need to be supported. And I could not have any greater a blessing than that, because many people do not find that um, find that to be the case with, with their spouses. Um, you know, she is not only my spouse, but she is also my dearest uh, friend. And um, you know, we we want to be around to celebrate the next twenty years, both of us. Um, you know, again, I as I said earlier, you know, she she was. Uh, born with an off switch, I was not, um, and I and I sometimes think of it that you know for th- that basically, um, and she's just she has been incredibly um, kind and uh, and supportive, and I'm I'm immensely grateful. You know, it's interesting to hear you say you you feel like you were born without an off switch because you earlier described your mother as limited, and that immediately made me think, well, if her mother is limited then that means Alyssa has had to be unlimited. So your yeah. response has been in, you know, your response is in response to the stimuli and the stimuli has just been stunted. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's right. No one, no one has actually pointed that out, but, but it's been, you know, I've been in um, sort of an open spigot of, of um, you know, provision for her, um, whatever that provision may be, um, be it, you know, emotional, financial, um, social, um, you know, all of those things just, you know, 
ongoing, flowing, um, uh, constant, and and um, and and that's. You know, I'm as I said earlier. I'm in my mid fifties now, and and you know, there comes a point where one has to say, okay, you know, enough, enough is enough. Yeah, and you said that your heart was that you were you were you suffering damage to your heart? Were you having heart pains? Is that was there literally a physical moment that brought you to this um, this recovery effort? Well, it's really you know, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I'm I'm. Um, I have uh, had heart issues um, for quite a long time. I want to say uh, the first um, sort of event, quote unquote, event I had was uh, back in 1993. And I was a, you know, I was an avid squash player, very athletic. Um, You know, I was a ranked squash player in New York where I was living at the time. And so I, you know, I, I never sort of put two and two together that, hey, you know, it's this, it might be the amount of chemicals you're pouring into your body on a daily basis that is, um, you know, that's, that's resulting in, in this. Um, I, you know, so, so over the years, um, it's, it's gotten uh, progressively, um, I, I won't say progressively worse, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's been treated and I'm, I'm, um, medicated for heart, um, you know, for heart issues. And my dad had uh, two quadruple bypasses and, um, and his carotid arteries bypassed and my grandfather had five heart attacks. And so I come from a place of, you know, of, of pretty significant heart disease, but, um, you know, I've never been a smoker. I've always been fairly athletic. Um, but I think that the combination of um, the, you know, the external um, chemicals um, and the fact that um, I have held um, so much um, pain and um, sadness, quite frankly, um, in my heart for so long, um, where um, you know where my mother's care is concerned um, and my relationship with her is concerned, that um, at some point something had to give. And, um, you know, I remember going to uh, a wonderful cardiologist in New York um, who looked at me and said, you know, whatever you're doing, you need to stop doing it. And, um, and, and I mean, did she know? Sure, she probably knew. Um, but that was, you know, and, and no one wants to hear that. No, you know, no, no, no person mm-hmm. wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. So I think around that same point in the book, you you talk about how your mother um, has lived a life divorced from her own body. Um, I think at this point in the book, you're actually talking about her being pregnant with you and how she didn't even recognize that she was pregnant until she was six months along, at which point she pretty much started starving herself to death because she didn't want to gain any weight in her pregnancy. And actually use a clinical term. You you said um, that um, she said she's divorced from the workings of her own body and from who and what she's carrying in her womb as if it was an amputated limb. And then you, you quote this congenital anal, I'm going to miss analgesia. Is that how you pronounce that? Analgesia. Yeah, analgesia, analgesia which, right. is an, which is an inability to feel pain, life, joy, or even death. And um, I, I that passage really just stopped me uh, and had me reflect on 
how we're all, your mother has given us a wonderful example of life in extremes, right? Yes. And, and in that, when you wrote that, thinking of her so divorced from her body and so honestly just removed from herself and what i then took away from that passage and just so much of the of the story in the book is is when you when you look at that story and the wider filter of the culture and um and the burdens women have had to bear that your mother and you do touch on this her own backstory you know what it was like to be your mother why perhaps she um developed these coping skills that ended up being skills that, you know, <laughs> have been so detrimental to you and your your own health. But there is, there's a bigger story there. Um, uh, you know, a lack of self-love that was um, cultivated very early on. And do you, are you able to, to see it in that way? Um, or is that, is that, does that resonate with you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, um, you know, in writing this story, um, I had to, um, you know, I had to dig very deep, as I, as I said earlier, and I did have to write it from the point of view. Um, I had to write it from um, a point of view of some, of some distance, and I think that all good memoir, um, and I, and I, uh, that's something that I, you know, um, strive towards. Um, is written from um, a certain a certain place of, of distance, where the um, you know where the memoirist uh, writes about the characters around them, but but also turns oneself in, into a character, turns themselves into a character, um, and that's the only way you know we we uh, you know we we have to see ourselves um, um, in a three hundred and sixty five degree um, um, manner. Um, in terms of you know my mother's ability to um, to feel to feel pain and how that is tied to um, just a visceral visceral disconnect, um, you know my mother was told every day of her young life that she was ugly. Uh, she was told that she you know she grew up in a home uh, that enforced. Uh, reinforced uh, self-loathing from the youngest of ages. And, you know, the irony, of course, is that my mother grew up to be a model and my mother grew up to be a television singer and a performer. And, you know, you give her um, a microphone and put her in the spotlight and she becomes another, she becomes another person, um, even now, even, you know, even to this, to this day. But that core um, of self-loathing um, that was reinforced by her parents and the world in which she grew up um, is something that she will carry with her until her last breath. And that breaks my heart for her. Um, that is something that, um, you know, that, that is something that I think uh, is, um, you know, it's like, it's like carrying this sort of, this sort of knob of poison in your, in your heart um, and you can't get rid of it. And, and that's where everything comes from for her. That's that's you know that's the place uh, that motivates um, her response to the world around her. And so 
she doesn't feel anything. And, you know, she's had minor surgeries and stitches without, you know, and I mentioned this in the book, stitch, I mean, physically, she, she doesn't feel anything. Um, and and uh, her own physician has said to me, you know, she's a miracle of modern science. We don't know how the woman is, you know, still still upright. So, you know, we, on, on the one hand, you know, it's actual physical issue. And then on the other hand, it is this kind of psycho-spiritual um, issue that she's carried, um, that she's carried always that's in that's informed her outlook on on the world around her so where where do you land on the psycho spiritual journey where are you right now as you um where are you right now as you really learn to probably lean heavier on a higher power than you have in the past you know i have been um somehow and i i don't know um if this is um because I don't know if this is uh, nature or nurture or what, um, but I, um, I, you know, I was very close to my dad, and um, I, my father believed very, very strongly in um, in a in a higher power, and and I think that's really what allowed him to um, move through his life, um, which was also very, very complicated, and I, you know, it was something that we we didn't really always talk about very much. I mean, we're not a religious household per se, at all, like pretty much at all. Um, but I, I have always felt, um, I have always felt a hand on my shoulder. And I don't know what that means. And I don't know what it looks like. But I've always felt a hand on my shoulder. And so, um, you know, in the darkest of dark nights, um, that's the hand that I turn to, and uh, and that and that's where I am right now. And 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 without it, whatever it may be, and I cannot define it, um, I would not be having this conversation with you. Um, I think that in combination with um, the uh, the recovery community um, that has basically um, surrounded me and provided me with an enormous amount of kindness and support um, and um, understanding of the, you know, human vagaries um, that, you know, we all go through um, at at this earliest of stages for me um, has been breathtaking. I mean, I, I, uh, I know someone uh, who refers to the community as his higher power, and um, and I and I sort of feel like that's very true for me, um, and um, and that's you know that's where I, that's where I am. That's why I, you know I have a, I have a habit of over intellectualizing everything, um, much to <laughs> much to my therapist's dismay, <laughs> but um, but I I. I cannot get away from the fact that um, that the um, that the community itself, um, the people who support me um, and who have taught me about service um, and the you know issues of ego um, and selflessness. Um, that's my that's my higher power speaking, and, and that's what I turn to. So when I when I decided to remove alcohol from my life, and of course that 
you know, did, did for me what it's doing for you, which you're now faced with all of your feelings. Um, you're faced with truths about your family, about um, your failings, about um, why you were numbing to begin with. It helped me. It helped me as I navigated that time to think of five years in the future, to sort of visualize myself in another space um, where some of these early white knuckling moments were passed and I had real traction in recovery. And, you know, I kind of created a life for myself in my head around what that would look like. Um, and I, I created a life for myself in my head around what that would look like. And I, I wonder what that looks like for you. You know, I, I, um, I'm at the point now where I'm literally putting one foot in front of the other, um, every day, every morning. Um, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of meditation involved. There's a lot of prayer involved. I'm trying to be good to my body in as many ways as I can be good to it down the road. Um, you know, five years from now, um, I would um, like to not be struggling so much. I would like to be of more service to the community that is supporting me. Um, I would like to be, um, you know, the best spouse that I can be and the best friend that I can be. Um, and, um, and be healthy and, uh, and happy. Yeah. I think that, um, as a writer, I'm sure you've read, read Mary Carr's, uh, memoir lit. Yeah. Yes. And when she goes to tell, have you, um, have you read it recently? Um, I, I read it, you know, actually once every few years, um, but I, I have not read it. I want to say it's been about two yeah. years. And she goes to tell her editor, okay, I'm going to quit drinking. And her editor's response, do you remember what her editor's response was? I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a man. I, so I, I think he said, um, good, because your writing's going to be so much better. Uh, it was a right, very blunt right, answer. Right, yeah. And do, yeah, you, yeah. do you have that? Um, hope for yourself that, I mean, your writing, which is already so beautiful and so raw and, and, um, searing and helpful. I mean, to think what you'll do in a space of recovery is kind of, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it is quite frankly, um, nervous making. I mean, I, you know, when I, when I sit down to write, um, I get into a very, um, you know, I get into a very um, particular headspace, um, and um, that's kind of hard for me to, uh, you know, that's kind of hard for me to describe and and, and explain. Um, I I think that um, my my writing. Um, is has always been about you know what Cheryl Strayed calls it, um, you know leaning hard into really leaning hard into the work, um, and not being afraid of doing the work. Um, and I think it will, 
you know, I think it will change. Um, I'm pretty sure it will change. I think that writing from a place of um, of recovery um, and sobriety will also um, certainly lend clarity to it. Um, as uh, I've been going through this journey, my writing has um, interestingly become more and more spare, um, which uh, I find, you know, I'm, I'm a former editor. I was an editor for many, many years in publishing in New York. And and to see that from an editorial standpoint, um, I find that really um, sort of interesting and, and compelling. I can only hope uh, that it can that my writing continues to um, to grow, and um, and if it helps anyone else, even one person, um, that makes me feel as though I've done uh, I've done my work. Well, it's already helped me, so you've done your work. Well, thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Erin. And I love I love this idea of spare of the spareness of the writing because it's just such a testament to where you are right now where you are just taking out all of the excess of anything, even the words, and just getting it down to its bare essence and what it really means to be Alyssa and who Alyssa really is um, outside of her mother, outside of her, you know, her identity as a food writer. Um, I mean, this is... Um, this is how you become your true self, which sounds, as I say it, it sounds cheesy, but that has been my experience is that losing key relationships in my life made me become an adult. It made me grow up and um, almost in a way like um, parent myself um, parent myself that I, and I hadn't had to do that before. No, no that's, go ahead. Yeah. It, you know, it's, no, it's, it's, it's just, it's fascinating. I mean, I think that, um, you know, women are, um, you know, we, we are pushed and pulled and tugged in and in so many different directions and, you know, certainly by, um, by you know societal expectation and cultural expectation and and then media and and um, and uh, to know oneself um, truly um, I think is um, you know that is uh, you know that that's a that's a that's a gift um, I don't know you know can we ever completely know ourselves I'm not. You know, I'm not sure. I think that there's a, you know, that there's. I'm thinking that there's a, um, there's a famous Annie Dillard line about this that is escaping me at the moment, but um, about truly knowing oneself um, is, is, um, you know, it's 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 challenging because we are always changing. We are always evolving. You know, we do not exist in stasis. Um, and so, um, yeah, you know, it's it's it is very it is very it is very interesting. But living a creative life that is uh, more spare, where I am actually creating in a um, in a way that is more spare, um, is that is what I'm what I'm striving for now. Um, the elimination of that which is not needed, um, both um, 
you know, um, in my day to day, um, and, um, and on the page. And, um, and I, when I talk about storytelling and I teach a lot of, um, I teach memoir now, um, quite a lot. And one of the things that I talk about is, um, curating, curating the story, curating, um, the life, curating the work and, um, and, um, and part of that, um, means knowing what to peel away and knowing uh, what to let fall away and being, knowing that, that you're safe in doing that. Um, you know, that's, that's where I am, um, certainly creatively right now. Um, as we move to wrap up, um, I'm wondering if you can share with us what your recovery looks like now. Oh my goodness. Um, it looks like a jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) Um, no, seriously, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, it's complicated. I mean, I'm, 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 um, I'm in AA and I'm finding that, uh, that it is extraordinarily, extraordinarily helpful for me. Um, and, um, I certainly do, um, a lot of, um, certainly do a lot of reading and writing in that sphere. Yeah. And so what is your relationship with your mother like now? Um, my relationship with my mother is, um, you know, it's, it's always challenging. Um, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't see her every day, but I do talk to her, um, every day. Um, I speak to her in the morning and in the evening to make sure that she is awake, to make sure that she's safe, um, to sort of try and discern, um, you know, there are any problems, any issues that need to be dealt with. Uh, she is still in New York city. I am still, uh, two hours away from her. Um, she's got a caregiver who I manage. Um, and, uh, so I'm sort of her caregiving manager, I guess. And, you know, our visits, um, are often very difficult. They are, um, often truncated, um, because, um, of my understanding of, you know, my own needs surrounding say issues of emotional safety and, and, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's still, it remains complicated. I have to say though, that the book, um, afforded me a certain amount of clarity, um, surrounding her and who she is and what made her who she is, um, that I did not have going in. And so, um, that I think allows me to find a bit more compassion uh, for her and her situation um, than I might have had. So what advice would you give a woman who is in the position that, in a similar position, maybe they're caring for um, a parent with a, you know, with a toxic past between the two of them, um, or maybe a woman who is just struggling in the first part of her recovery, what advice would you give her? Um, it's well, in, in terms of, you know, being a caregiver for an aging parent, um, I would say certainly it is a marathon and not a sprint. Um, and somebody had said that to me early on and I sort of said, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And I, and I, and I came to understand that, um, you know, that they were, um, being as clear as they could possibly be, um, every day is uh, a new experience every day is a new day 
um, there will be, you know, mistakes made and falls that will happen. Um, and um, patience is, uh, is, is something that um, I uh, have always struggled with with regard to my mother and pretty much everything around me, but um, I have to um, find patience um, in my heart for who she is and what she's going through. And, and it, you know, it certainly can't be easy being her. And so I, you know, I tell people who want to talk to me about um, being a caregiver for a senior parent with whom they've had a hard relationship um, is that, you know, they have to take care of themselves first and foremost um, and then to try and, um, you know, try and understand who their parent is and what made them who and, you know, and what they are often, you know, that often, often helps. Objectivity uh, is sometimes a beautiful thing. Um, in terms of recovery, I, you know, I'm so, it's so new for me. It's so early for me that, um, you know, the only thing that I feel like I, um, that I have any real right to say at this point is um, surrounding oneself um, with, um, with amazing community and um, really good people um, is, I think, um, paramount. Um, I also think that Understanding that you know one is human um, is is also uh, really you know really really important, um, and uh, and and not every um, mode of recovery works for everybody, um, and and that's okay too. Well, I'm really grateful that you joined us and that you shared the story with us of your personal um, recovery and your recovery of your, your relationship with your mother. And I am intrigued as to how you will go forward and redefine the modern tribal fire. I just have a hunch that um, you'll do that in a way that is feminine and um, very present and in a way that it has not been done before. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the She Recovers podcast. We hope you will share, rate, subscribe, and help us spread the word. You can always find out more about She Recovers, our intentions and guiding principles, upcoming events and retreats, recovery coaching, online yoga, and so much more on our website, sherecovers.co. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter so that we can stay in touch. 